Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Entrepreneurs in Small Rooms Drinking Coffee. We're not drinking coffee. I'm Rob Kennedy, your host, and we're at Amplify LA, um, courtesy of the working group, the TWG, and we're here with Paul of Contract Cloud. Hi, Paul. How's it going? Great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. So, what is Contract Cloud? So Contract Cloud is a video platform that is targeted toward eliminating excess litigation and decreasing uh, risk in specific markets like human resources, um, financial services, and a variety of others that uh, we plan to go into as well. So your customers are kind of businessy types. Yeah, we yeah. sell to businesses, and we actually and we uh, work with insurance companies and risk consultant firms to help lower the risk for everybody. So you said video contracts. How does that manifest itself to a person like me, or do I, am I a kind of person who would be like seeing the video contract? You would be an ultimate end user of the system, yes. just through whatever types of contracts you're entering into with, say, your employer or through a financial services broker, um, and generally where you have the need for education about contractual terms that can get really large and cumbersome. Okay. So we bring forward specific risks and record just a general education and understanding between the parties of, uh, of those terms. So uh, some, for, from an end user perspective, it could be something as simple as like the terms of an iTunes contract, or it could be as complicated as a... Ultimately, but it's where there's some risk, right? right. There's, you don't really incur that much risk in dealing with the iTunes. I uh, guess piracy is the risk that they're right. trying to mitigate. Right, yeah. they're, they're, try, they're trying to mitigate that, but their agreement isn't going to mitigate that. If you're going to pirate whatever off Apple, you're going to do it, and they largely deal with that outside of the United States. I see, but I see. there's a, um, a fantastic South Park, actually, about the iTunes agreement yes, and, uh, yes. Yes, I that all the listeners should watch, <laughs> at least the clip of. There's a, yeah, if there's, there's a lot of tech things. There's the, there's the game one where Canada uses gamification to like screw the yes. world. There's the contract one. So um, how do video contracts or how does this work from an end user perspective? Walk me through the user experience. Uh, so you have a client. It's a bank. Well, uh, the, the most and, simple example is an employee um, that has you know a couple hundred page employee manual handbook terms and conditions that they're bound by as part of their their employment right. that nobody reads. And now they're receiving it in an e-signing platform where they just get home, log in, click I agree. Um, at their first day of work now, when they get onboarded by their actual employer, whoever it is, their general manager or the lead on duty, if it's a restaurant, that type of thing, mm -hmm. we actually sit down and we actually record the, the, the interaction between the parties at that, at that point. So, hey, you know, I'm Paul. I'm really excited to be here. It's my first day of work. And I understand that in my Employee onboarding materials were the attendance policies, the um, you know the arbitration provision, whatever the specific pain points are that um, will hopefully prevent litigation from occurring in the so future. So you're recording that. You know, are you sure you don't want to? <laughs> whatever. Like what? Yeah. What is do, you have, do you have any questions? Is, is there anything that, that that concerns you about this? Like, if you have the opportunity to review them, that kind of thing, to make sure that. We're increasing the communication between the parties of unequal bargaining power yes. and then ensuring that they're more accountable to one another so that the employer can't pull a fast one on the employee right. and so that the employee actually doesn't then just say, well, you know, I'm going to sign this. I'll sue you anyway. Right. Um, so to, I mean, the United States, you know, I know a lot of the listeners are uh, north of the border, but in the United States, um, we have the reputation of being very litigious. Yes. And how do we uh, prevent that from happening? So my background, which I know we'll get into, is that mm -hmm. I used to actually litigate those kinds of cases. 
So before we get there, just one last mechanical question. Is the person, so the person who's, who's on the employer side, mm-hmm. um, they're not asking necessarily legally um, properly worded questions, are they? Are they reading a script that says, you know? It's a script, yeah. It is a script. Yeah. So it's like formulated to be it's, it's I mean, we're not necessarily, we're not trying to replace the contract. Sure. We're not trying to do anything that is um, in any way different than what's contained in the contractual agreements sure. because that raises a whole slew of issues. Right. What we're specifically doing is just creating a witness to the information and the understanding between the parties. Um, so a way better version of what a notary would ever do. Right. So the, to, I think you described it before so that it's kind of clear that the person at least talked about with their employer what they're about to get into. Yeah, and that the employer actually made the effort to ensure that the employee understood, understood the, understood the term. So uh, we were talking before, you your background is in law. So you didn't start up making a tech company. For a while, you did some law and not tech. So how, how did you get to starting a tech company? Um, well, yeah, I, I practiced litigation for about six and a half years, mm-hmm. and then I'm doing big corporate uh, defense work, right. and was literally in trial with a totally frivolous claim, and mm-hmm. we were sitting there, and how can we prevent things like this from happening, and the concept of video um, came to mind, mm-hmm. and how a lot of the types of cases I was handling involve people it's still interacting face-to-face, um, with a lot of times, you know, tablets or, you know, their, de- their desktop or their laptop and w- uh, around in the area. Right. And how can we incorporate modern technology to prevent the types of disputes from happening um, that, that we were seeing? So was it that you were litigating and traveling the world <laughs> or you litigated, stopped to travel the world and said, you know, I'm going to put my law practice on hold or how did you... Does no, I was, uh, I was batting the idea around and... Um, was considering taking the leap, and I was at a point in my life when I um, didn't have a mortgage, didn't have kids. You know, I still don't have either of those two things. <laughs> I was uh, unmarried. I am since married, but um, the, the 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 crux came is you know I was batting around the concept of doing it and thinking like, well, if I don't do it, somebody else is going to, mm-hmm. and I don't ever want to have to wonder what if. Right. Had I what what would have happened had I done that? Right, right, right. Um, and I was speaking to a friend about it, and uh, he gave me some some you know motivation, and you know, hey, well, if you want to ever take the leap, now's the time, and you know, go for it. And so I. Did you just like quit your job? Yeah, I gave notice and yeah. um, was told as I gave notice that they were going to make me partner the following January. Oh, that's nice. And um, so it was a uh, the. You know, if I had done that, I would have, you know, probably never left and right. started a tech company. So, Golden handcuffs. Yeah, it, it worked out. So how do you, how did you, um, so you don't have a technical background per se? No. So what did you do? Did you just quit your job and wander Yeah, I did a lot of learning. Or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I gave notice and then two weeks later um, was floundering around trying to figure out how to run a business and start a business. So with my legal background, I did... Um, I guess very law type things like we, you know we filed a patent and we um, filed trademarks and had the logos made and then we um, started was I that, did, became that, a Delaware C Corp and okay. did all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Wait, was that premature though? Like I mean I, I've spoken to patent lawyers before and oftentimes the, the advice that I've gotten when I'm like I have this thing and it sort of does something but it kind of they're like yeah you're fifty thousand dollars away from a patent because it costs so much to even start the process that it, you kind of almost want to. 
put a proof of concept together and maybe test the market a little bit first. Yeah, I was doing that all while I was outsourcing the development of a prototype. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I just, Sarah, a lot of things happen by, I think, people putting themselves in a variety of positions and situations, and then hopefully a couple of them pan out to being, you know, wonderful connections or... Um, you know, if you put yourself out there enough, something bound, something good will bound to come, come your way. Right, right, right. Um, and so it just so happens that my now wife has a friend who matches up people that have ideas with people that will develop them. <laughs> no way. Um, so I said, oh, really? You'd do that? And the money that I was saving to buy up a house um, went to our outsourcing development for uh, my idea. So it was not a technical co-founder. It was a, a technical uh, lead that you paid for? There was not a, yes. like a... Okay. And Initially, not, it was a technical lead. Right. Yeah. Just to build a proof of concept. Correct. Kind of thing. I Correct. See. And then, so this is how you funded yourself out of your mortgage money, your pre, soon-to-be mortgage money. Yes. Yes. So the, the real estate market in Southern California, especially um, where I live in Los Angeles, is uh, pretty high, and mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be able to afford anything with the amount of down payment that I had saved Right. Um, where I necessarily would have wanted to live. So I figured, what could be a greater return? Mm-hmm. A much riskier investment, but you know why don't I put this towards starting a business? Right. So right. that was how I um, funded the company for a large, in, in large part, actually, um, until you know we've actually now an Amplify portfolio company. So then, in your mind, it was um, build out the that proof of concept, get the patents and stuff. That's what you were spending your money on. Did you have other, any other people working with you? Was it just you pounding the pavement, trying to get people to? understand what you were working on. Yeah, initially it was just me pounding the pavement and talking to whoever would listen and figuring out, you know, thinking that it was going to be a lot easier than it than it ever is. Right. Um, and then it just so what happened. Was the hard, what was harder, like, than you thought? Um, my connections that I had in my law practice were completely separate from any connections that I made, um, you know, since starting Contract Cloud. Mm-hmm. And... The, the biggest challenge initially was to figure out who the right people were to speak to that I could help and that could then in turn maybe help me in my business. Right. So, you know, not just a, you know, hey, this is what I'm doing. Who can help me? More of like a, I have a very unique background in the startup world from my litigation and that experience. And how can I use that to help maybe talk to people about their businesses and um, then in turn, maybe they can hear about mine and we can figure out if there are synergies in, in that. Right. And then those trees tend to grow. And now I'm having meetings with people that are 10 degrees of, from separation of my initial point of contact. And right. it turns out that if I had spoken with somebody else, I would have gotten there much quicker. But that's just right. the, your world starts to shrink the more people you actually start to speak with. Right, right, right. That's true. Uh, so so you, you built the proof of concept. And then was it like... How long did that take? A month, a week, a year? Oh, God. It probably took six months. Really? Yeah. And how did you know what features to build and what not? What features to not build? Like, you know, you can always make the thing amazing, but you have to stop at some point. Yeah, I built it very uh, minimally. And that came with actually a lot of, um, I guess, the developers that call it scope creep and yes. product creep. Yes. Um, where I was continuing can continuously saying, you know, well, why don't we grow it a little bit bigger here? Or why don't we add this feature? Or right. you know, because we created this feature, I didn't realize that, you know, in the pyramid of how we get there, that there are 15 other things that they have to build in the meantime. Right. So that was an expensive learning process. Fair enough. Um, and it took some time. Right. 
I was able to luckily find a, a technical co-founder shortly thereafter. Right. So. And does did that does the technical co-founder? I mean, like, as the I guess the CEO, the fancy executive CEO. Um, I find that oftentimes CEOs sometimes uh, they tend to consider themselves product experts too, and experts at creating products. Where they might have the initial vision, they might not be the ones who should craft the actual product and do the product management. Is that what you found too? Or do you just have to like quickly become a product manager as well as you know raising money as well as getting people and all that stuff? Unless you have the connections to to have an experienced team that can do all of those things, mm-hmm. I think that the initial, especially first-time founder CEO, um, has to wear all those hats. Right. And that can be incredibly challenging. And right. I actually did have to wear all those hats, and I largely still do. Yes. Um, there are some things that I, I hire people in for, for specific tasks, specific projects, mm-hmm. um, but largely I am still managing product. Right. And I feel that at present, I'm the best one to do that, but only because I understand the problem better than most. Right. So our, you know, where, where we are, and we'll talk about where we are right now, sure. but one of the things where we are right now is figuring out who our next several hires are going to be mm-hmm. and finding somebody that has a legal background that doesn't want to practice law anymore, that was in litigation and understands the problem from, right. from on the boots on the ground perspective. Um, are kind of like our dream people. Right. And they're very few and far between. Right. <laughs> and also sort of understand technology to a certain degree because that intersection isn't always... Right. So, okay, so you found you found your technical co-founder through your wife's friend. Is that how you... No, it? actually. No? <laughs> um, that was a guy that I had known for years and just had no idea what he did for a living. And um, one night we were out having a couple of beers with a group of friends and right. I was saying about... I was having a headache with my new job and what are you doing now? He said, and so I showed him the initial prototype and mm-hmm. he was saying, well, you know, I can actually build that. I said, well, <laughs> let's figure out what you can actually do. And it turns out that, um, he is wonderful and yeah. very good at what he does. Right. So I'm very lucky in that regard. So and he you... lives five blocks from my house. Oh, what a good thing. <laughs> it's one of those things. Also, he's in my basement. I just didn't know it. Right. And he's related to me. Um, so is he, so did you, did you bring him on as like a co-founder kind of thing or a partner kind yes. of thing? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, initially it was just kind of, I, um, you know, is this something that you're interested in doing? Why don't you play with it for a while and, and see if you're, if you're into it? Because uh, people with the kind of skill set that he has are on, they're high in demand. Right. Constantly. Yes. Um, so... I had we had to, to work together for for a period of time and figure out what the best avenue was for us moving forward if we were going to move forward. Right. And that was when you know we had the you know let's let's do this as a team let's do this as co-founders, um, and then you know we're continuing to to build on that. So take me to like, was it you guys dated? You got married and then you came into Amplify. Like, how did the accelerator fit into the mix? Yeah. So we. Uh, exactly. You, that's a great example. Had you launched in between times or are you, were you still just testing with users? Yeah, we were just really testing. We hadn't really launched. Okay. Um, we And we're still in kind of like a private marketing um, avenue because of how niche and how unique our business is. Mm-hmm. If, you know, people aren't searching for what we do on Google. Mm-hmm. So it's a really, at least it's at this point, it's really focused on direct sales um, techniques. Yeah. You're basically B2B. And your sales cycles are long because right. you don't just walk up and somebody clicks a link and they buy a thing. Right. Yeah. So I was actually talking to clients, potential clients, and some that are clients now, 
before we even had a live product mm. saying, Hey, this is what we have. And it's awesome. And knowing that it existed on my device, but that it didn't and couldn't exist on theirs yes. because I knew that it would take them four months to actually pull the trigger on onboarding. It. Right, right, right. So we, around October of this year, we had, um, a live product that we were marketing and that was at the same time that we, um, joined Amplify. And why, like, so first of all, you thought accelerators were a good idea. And why did you think it was worth doing this? Because I'm assuming Amplify, I don't actually know, does Amplify take a bit of equity for cash and help to introduce you to other investors and stuff? Amplify operates uh, largely, at least with us, I'm not sure about for the variety of other portfolio companies, but just on a convertible note. Okay. Okay. Um, and then we, and I, it was, I was, as I was kind of steering the ship and have been doing product management, um, for my CTO, mm-hmm. I largely avoided accelerators for an incredibly long time because, because I wasn't sure if my business was one that would be benefited being in an accelerator. You hear a lot of them being, you know, a lot of consumer facing things, um, very seldom is there a an enterprise B2B type business going through an accelerator. Right. Um, so I was I just didn't think that there would be that much that they could uh, bring to the table, not necessarily Amplify particular, but sure. any accelerator. Sure, sure, sure. Um, then as I was continuing to grow my network, uh, my professional network in the startup community, I started getting a lot of um, people saying, hey, well, you should really look into you know, Amplify. You should really meet this guy who's, you know, partnered Amplify and that kind of thing. Um, and after a while, I was at a point where uh, both both personally and professionally, it was the right time to really, ex- for lack of a pun, accelerate the growth of um, my networks right. and really utilize and leverage the contacts that they have uh, yes. to, to further contact. And why Amplify and not Techstars or some other random... Accelerator. Um, because of the the connections that I had, I I honestly didn't look into any other accelerators right. aside right. from generally just not thinking I wanted to be in one. I see. Um, and then I was like, oh, that's an accelerator. I don't want to go into it. Right, right, right. Um, and then I threw um, one of my investors and advisors in the company, and then a couple other contacts. They said, hey, you really should talk to these guys. Um, they can, you know, really help out. Did you, did you, it's, so you use the term investor. Did you find somebody in between the time you were bootstrapping it and now the Amplify stuff to kind of keep it going? Um, not financially at that point since um, they've, become an they've become an investor, but it was more of just, hey, people taking an interest and in me personally and in what the business is doing and what we were uh, planning on doing yes. that we've been fortunate enough to you know continually hit our you know milestones and um, keep that interest to keep that momentum going and right. perseverance is a huge thing right. so I've, you know and how do you know as a as a as a founder like you're you're building something especially what you've just described it's it's not something you would just be like you know what I need a video contract solution like nobody thinks about that you have to explain to them and then they see oh yeah I, I see the value. How do you know when you're going off on a, just like in a totally wrong direction? Because no one can really tell you that it's wrong. Right. And, and as what, fortunately what we've built is very, um, it applies to a variety of markets without actually being, um, having to do any development customization. 
Right. So the platform itself is customizable regardless of what market we're actually targeting specifically. Right. Um, so is that even more dangerous because it's a generic platform that can support it's more multiple da- verticals. <laughs> yes. It's more <laughs> dangerous um, in that it's difficult and it can be difficult to keep focus in which yeah. markets that we as a young company are targeting. Yes. Um, but it's a lot... It, it creates a lot more excitement in people when they can say they could see immediately how it could apply to their life. Right, right. Um, a prime example is just last week I got a phone call from um, the company that rents like boats and jet skis and that kind of thing, and they said, "Oh my God, we want to use your system." And I was like, "Okay, well that's something that we haven't <laughs> even considered that. going down <laughs> yeah. because it's you know ludicrous." Right. But sure, knock yourself out, log in, do it, and that's mm-hmm. a. a, a the platform can support something like that, and it can also support you know somebody entering a financial transaction or doing informed consent from a medical standpoint. Right. That kind of thing. Oh yeah, so. that's crazy. So again, like, how do you how do you know when to say how do you know when to say no? I know Mr. Boat or Mr. Doctor who wants to do medical consent. Right. That's something we totally want to do, but right now we've we've got in the hopper some leads that are you know. 50% of the way to signing a contract, whatever that means. Right, right. Or even, yeah, we've got live clients in specific verticals, and that's really where we want to focus. Um, if it's something that we think can be very worthwhile for the business, yeah. we will, you know, I can spend a half an hour, and that's pretty much it that it takes with the company if they want to actually utilize the system. I see, I see. Um, so it's a very quick onboarding process for that, especially if they already understand the pain point and they say, hey, my God, we want to use you. Right. Um, but generally, if we're actually doing the direct marketing and the direct sales approach, we have a, some amount of customer education that needs to take place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so exactly like what you were saying, you know, they're not searching for this solution. So we have to create a... Um, we have to educate them about it and then figure and demonstrate and figure out their pain point. And so a lot of times you actually enter NDAs with some of our clients and oh, say, yeah? Hey, you know, this is, you know, how many times are you guys dealing with this kind of litigation? You know, what, where, where are the real pain points in that and how can we help prevent those? I from see. Do you do a contract lab with them when you do the NDAs? <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, um, okay. So then, so just, so I'm clear on the timeline. So you, you, um, joined the Amphi in October. Yes. Is that what you said? And then you've done a soft kind of test launch since then with a few clients? Is that how it... Yes. And that yes. you're getting the feedback to understand how your platform works? Yeah, I mean, we're getting the feedback to... The, the, the big point that we that we really need to prove out is the... I mean, the system works, and we believe that it can... That it will prevent a lot of litigation from occurring. Right. Um, you know, just from a general increase in communication and accountability between, between parties. Yeah. So what does it take to actually prove that? It just significantly takes... Time and touching a lot of contracts. Right. Do you have to? Do you, you have to wait uh, till a lit- litigation happens to really, 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 really show. Well, that'll be a, 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 a good and a bad day. Yes. Because, <laughs> right. Because the, it'll be it'll be a, a bad day because then our system actually didn't prevent the lawsuit from occurring. Right? right. It'll be a good day because then we'll actually be able to demonstrate that this is something that can help lower the value of that claim. From I from or get it resolved quickly from either a complainant or a a defending party's standpoint. Do you find that like um, 
<laughs> do you find that, uh, like, so so the, the enterprise or the business can look through, I guess, the database and they can see, you know, Rob Kennedy signed on this date at this time, and then you can sort of search for the Rob Kennedy thing if there's any ever. Well, now you're getting into our the, our, our whole back end system. I mean, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So that, no, that's that's a lot of a lot, that our platform is not just simply the recording. I mean, we have yeah. a ton of. The, the use case that we described and that we've talked about now is is very uh, simple, but right. behind that, we have to maintain a lot of security and a lot of integrity in the data yes. to not only allow it to be ultimately used if by either party in a court of law, um, if, if we ever get to that point, which right. we will one day, I mean, that will sure, happen somewhere, sure, sure. Um, but also to ensure that you know it's easy for either party to the contract to be able to you know check out their content. Oh, so even the employee can remind themselves of what they agreed to as well as the employer. Well, by law, if you ask your you have to if you ask your employer for your file, they have to present you your file. I and see. this would be a piece of that file. I so, see, see, it's see. not like people are running around being like, "I want to see my video." Yeah, like, yeah, they yeah. could, but, you know, no more so than they would say like, "Hey, I want to know the benefit package deal." Or right, that right, 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 right. Yeah. So, how do you, so you you've You've gotten into an accelerator. Hopefully, you're accelerating because it's been a few months now. Yes. And you've got a couple clients. So, where what are you learning as you're starting to put your product out into the market? Um, in terms of like, are were you focused on the like are the right metrics? Like, are you focused on the right metrics? Like, is customer acquisition your big thing because lead time is so long? Like, what what have you learned as you started to put rubber to the road? Yeah, I mean, customer acquisition. I think with any uh, growing company is always paramount. So, how can you get as many you know, businesses or people on the system as you possibly can. Yes. Um, so we're definitely um, constantly doing that. Right. Um, but it's enterprise. You don't just put ads up. You have to, what, do you have to have a sales force going out and, and knocking on doors or how do you do it? We're doing a lot of um, referral work. So yep. a lot of people that... Um, uh, word of just, mouth. Yeah, word of mouth and just general hustle. You know, it's right. like, hey, this is what we're doing. And if they can't help, you know, a lot of the times they will be able to say, oh, well, I know somebody over here that can do it. Right, right. I had a phone call three days ago with a guy that um, runs a very large financial firm, and he said, I want to introduce you to this insurance carrier, but the guy's like my best friend, and <laughs> okay. I'm not going to go tell him about you because we're not going to use you. And if I said, hey, you know, you know hey, you should meet Paul, and he, he would say, okay, great, but why aren't you using him? And right. that would be kind of like a, a potential red flag, red flag yeah. right? Yeah. So he goes, well, I'll introduce you to this other guy who can then introduce you to 10 people who have that exact problem and who will use you. I see. And then each one of them can introduce you to the insurance company. Got it, got it, got it. And do you incentivize those people, the introducers? Like, for example, with Uber, or like to use the consumer example, there was a, that dual incentive. You get $20 if you get, you get a free ride and I get a free ride. Do you incentivize those people or is it just that they see the value in it and they can communicate it clearly and you have to provide them just with the right messaging? Well, if they're not going to use it, there's no real way for us to incentivize them. Right. Um, but if they want to utilize our platform and they have other contacts that they want to make with us, then we're, you know, we, we take those as one-offs. Right. So right. We, we kind of go into customized deals. It's not like, you know, if you refer a friend to your gym, you get the, your next month dues paid. Sure. It's not that straightforward, especially yeah. because our business is such that the pain points and the pricing structures for the differing markets um, change. Is it, generally, is it generally a SaaS model where people pay monthly to keep the system going yeah. for everyone? Okay. It's just different prices depending on how big your organization is and how many things you have to store and that kind of exactly. thing? Exactly. Okay. And then uh, do you have tiered pricing? Yes. Or is it they just call you and you figure out a price based on that particular thing? Um, 
A little bit of both, uh, especially depending on uh, the volume of content that they're going to be using. Yes. Because if they're going to be uploading excessive amounts of content, then, you know, we'll do a one-off deal with that. Right. Um, but generally, we have uh, pretty set tiers um, in the two verticals that we're, that we're currently really going after. What are the two? Fi- financial services and human resources. Okay. Okay. Uh, kind of different. <laughs> Very different. But, the, but there's a high volume of litigation um, with a lot of money at stake yes. for both sides. Absolutely. So, you know, if you're a plaintiff or you're a defendant in either of those claims, um, it's a headache and you don't want to have to deal with it. So, so I guess to go back to my previous question, now that not being a technologist and now you have a product on the market after, you know, and you're going through the, the okay, real people are using this thing, what surprised you? Anything that totally out of left field or you're like it's totally going to work this way and it worked that way or I feel like we're very lucky in that we haven't had a drastic departure technically from what we've initially set out to do okay so we haven't said like oh my god we're going to build x and we ended up building y right i mean we're still doing the same product and the same concept that was initially you know when i was initially stopped my law practice right um what we've had to learn through that and what I've had to specifically learn through that as a product manager is how to really communicate that vision to, to the development team. I see. Um, and that's been... So your customers get it. Yeah. It's the developers who are like, what? I don't... What? This is... What? Well, the developers have to look at it because it's... It, a lot of what we're doing with the video and the security is very new. Yes. And a lot of the platforms that we're utilizing, it couldn't even support that kind of functionality even a year ago. I see. So um, it's very cutting edge in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, so then being able to say, this is the use case and being able to wireframe out a use case and then looking underneath that to figure out how it's going to work technically mm-hmm. um, is a lot of fun, but it's very challenging and tends to be a little bit more time consuming than I would like from uh, right. the business development standpoint. Right, <laughs> right. Because you're, you're inventing new things, the technology just doesn't show up the next day kind of thing. Exactly, right? right. It's like, yeah, this could take a month or it could take six. Let's figure <laughs> out, you know, what the, right. how we scale that both financially and from a sales standpoint. Yeah. And so did the, the does the financial portion of the accelerator mean, does that have, I mean, it helps, everything helps, I know, at this stage. But uh, is it uh, helpful or is it mainly just the network that this uh, group inv- Specifically the network. Yeah. I mean, I, if... For the amount of money that an accelerator is likely going to be investing in whoever's business is out there, you could almost 100% of the time be able to raise that same amount of money from right. friends and family. Right. And that's regardless of, I feel, where uh, your contacts lie. If you're out there and you're putting yourself out there and meeting the right kinds of people, right. that type of determination is uh, and persistence is contagious and people yes. will see you and they will see you again. Yes. And you'll still have the same vision, and they'll like you, right. and then you'll be able to raise some amount of money. Um, but uh, isn't it true that, I mean, to your point at the very beginning, um, accelerators are, you know, they don't necessarily focus on B2B, although there's a bunch of B2B stuff, like in, at least that I've seen in, in a lot of accelerators, but they don't necessarily have legal <laughs> networks that they can activate for you. It's more almost of an investor network that they're activating for you. Is that true, or is that... Awesome. Yes, I mean it's it's true that they definitely do activate an excel uh, an investor network for sure. Yes, um, they also definitely have all of those other companies that have come under their portfolio yes. and all of their different LPs and their different partnerships that they work with a- across 
a million different businesses that might not necessarily be able to help a, you know, a B2B legal company, mm-hmm. but they could potentially be a client. Yes. So we could potentially help them mitigate their risk. Right. Um, as they're, you know, in, in a variety of scenarios. So, so how do you know, so you're, you've got your test going, uh, you've got some initial clients and you focused on a couple verticals. How do you know where to go next? Do you just double down on the same two verticals? How do you know when you're stretching yourself too thin or whether you've, I mean, you're never going to really saturate either of those verticals, but right. how do you know how to proceed from now, now that you've got some indicators of what to do? Well, I feel like the the goalposts continuously move forward, right? right? So initially, it was you have an idea, okay, build it. Once you've built it, now get people to use it, right? Okay, once they start using it, will they actually pay for it, right? And then once they actually pay for it, now get more people to pay for it, right? And then continue to make that, you know, the ever expanding growth. Yes, and that's currently right where we are. Right. So we've got revenue coming in. We've, um, you know, proven out the, the use case, not entirely because we're so young that we haven't had a case, yes. you know, be litigated all the way through a disposition, mm-hmm. but um, that will happen one day, especially as we start touching more and more deals and more and more companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we've been able to, to continue that growth. And I think that how do we know what to do next? I mean, yeah. if you find what is working for you. You just keep doing it and do it more. Yes. <laughs> so that's where we are. But your 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 partner, your CTO, mm-hmm. um, how big is your dev team? Um, it's just him mainly as the lead architect, okay. and then when we have specific, um, luckily he's uh, an encryption expert. Okay. So he <laughs> so the security and when we get in front of big banks and things like that, and we're talking to their CIOs, I'm largely you know. Every once in a while, I'm concerned that they're going to throw a million bucks at them and try to hire them away from me. <laughs> right, right, right. He's um, like, oh, really? You can do that? Why don't you come work for me instead <laughs> yeah, yeah, of this yeah, company? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we've, uh, we, we hire in um, external development on the contracting basis if we need it, if we're, if we're ready to do some you know, rapid growth and, or rapid that's acceleration cool. of the products. And that's the same thing from the business standpoint too. Right. So if there's another market that we're curious about, or if there's another, if there's a sales lead that we really want to start going after, we'll hire contractors to, um, even from a sales perspective. Yeah. No, yeah. I see. And you, would you be like, yeah, that's interesting. Cause you, you wouldn't want to necessarily build that team out permanently. You'd want them sort of on a part-time basis to get into a market and then pull back Yes, yeah. I mean they're more. It's more like a sales development associate, or kind of a uh, kind of like a marketing or a business analysis yes. type uh, contract, where it's you know, hey, I've got this one specific task that I want you to accomplish, mm-hmm. and your skill set. For instance, lawyers. Like I've hired three lawyers in the past that have where I could have done the work, but I don't have the time to do the yeah, work. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, hey, I want you to tell me X, Y, and Z about these companies, these markets, and their and their their pain points, and then write me memoranda about those points. Right. And then I can take that to a variety of other clients from that. And that's just, I just needed them to accomplish that one task. I see. Because tomorrow I don't have that same, that same problem or that same, you know, right thing. I need. So you're, you're trying to keep as, as small and lean as possible. We're in, we're going to be growing a lot in the next six months, in the next three months. In like, what, what do you need to grow? Like, what do you think you need to, like, who do you need to have on your team to grow? Um, well, we just need to expand our marketing reach. I see. So our marketing, our sales and marketing is 
um, is just that's that's the next step and just right. continuously expanding that to get more and more and more people on the platform. Right, right, right. Um, so underneath that, I mean, as we continue to grow and do that, we'll be we'll need to hire you know you know some customer support and that kind of thing. But that's going to be very. Um, I mean, I feel like that can be very sparse because luckily enough, the platform is uh, robust while also being generic to the point where yes. it doesn't require that much work behind it. I see. It. So are you, are you able to, to, to do that growth? Do you have to, are you going to try to avoid getting in investment, further investment, or are you going to need to get it to be able to go to the next level? Um, we haven't been publicly raising money, okay. um, but we have some, we're having discussions with um, some institutional funds and right. um, some uh, high-profile angels that, um, have right. the kind of context that's smart money. So it's not yes. just money yes. of, you know, yes. hey, I need five I need five million bucks tomorrow to to go rapidly scale my team immediately. It's like, okay, well what else can they can can the money bring to the table aside from just allowing me to be able to grow the team? It, is it um is it from a this seemed from my perspective it seems like there's just a lot of money out there. You know, is, is are you finding that or is it yes you're finding it and it's just the smart money is the stuff that's hard to come by. Because could you you could just raise money if you wanted to? Um, I'm guessing I don't know, but is it easy to raise money if you want to? Kind of thing. I think there's a lot of things that go into that, and you, well, the first point of what you said is yes, there is a ton of money out there, and yeah. there's a ton of money out there right now, mm -hmm. and a lot of these venture firms and things like that, they are raising humongous funds that they're investing out of. Mm -hmm. What that's doing is it's allowing them to take less risk because they can write a bigger check. So, you know, whereas before they had a $10 million fund, they wanted to write that $100,000 check or, you know, the $150,000 check, maybe lead with, you know, 500 if they really loved you, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Whereas now if they have, you know, a $100 million fund, they can sit there and say, well, why don't we just wait until you prove that model out a little bit more? Hey, right. Maybe we'll write you a $10,000 check now and then see, you know, that will follow on with the A or we'll follow on with the B round, that kind of thing. I see, I see. Um, so it, there is a lot of money out there, um, but I think a lot of it depends on what your valuation is and what your contacts are within those circles in which you're trying to raise money. Right, right. Um, but to your point, like you now have to separate the wheat from the chaff a little bit because you could. There's so much you you have to figure out who's the right fit. Yeah, because before if, whether they were a good fit or not. Right. They had cash, you might have to take it, where in this case, you, you can be a little more laser focused with who you want to partner with. And I think that largely has to do with the stage of the business. I see. Because if the business is, say, not revenue generating and has a big burn, yes. you're going to need capital. Right. And you're going to be asking it from whoever will give it to you, Got right? Yeah, yeah. We're fortunately in a position where we don't have that problem. Right. Um, so we're in a spot where we can say, it'd be nice to raise money from some very good, you know, funds and people that we that we that could really help us out as a business not only from a capital standpoint but if they're not willing to come in quite yet or if you know they, they want to still feel out the market then you know we can wait right right so right. fortunately we have um we're not in the desperate spot where we're saying hey we need all this capital right sure now. sure sure um whereas if i wanted to i could drop the valuation of the business and get out there and say well i need the money so you know right come in and Right. So you're trying to be a bit more strategic about raising money as opposed to saying, oh, crap, we're going to run out and oh, my God. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, well, I don't want to keep you any further, but thanks for your time. Uh, we were speaking with uh, Paul of Contract Cloud, and your website is? Yes, 
contractcloudinc.com. And you guys operate in the States only yes. at the moment? Only in the moment, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, there's... So only because that's where the, the largest pain point is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could probably spend your entire life here. Uh, but uh, uh, it was entrepreneurs in small rooms drinking coffee without the coffee. I'm Rob Kennedy. <laughs> and uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And thanks for the working group for sending us down here. See you next week. All right. Thank you for having me. Thanks.